This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. Human Rights Watch is an independent, nonprofit organization known for their accurate fact-finding, impartial reporting, and targeted advocacy. In partnership with local activists and human rights groups, they expose the truth in order to defend the rights of all and bring those responsible to justice. They rely on the support of informed, dedicated people, so visit hrw.org kick to make a donation and support its vital work around the world. Your donation will be matched dollar for dollar until 2019. hrw.org kick. And now, enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Ben Mathis. Welcome to Kick-Ass News. Pete Holmes is one of the funniest and most sincere comedians in the business, and it's that same sincerity and willingness to expose the sad, awkward, and often embarrassing aspects of his life that's fueled not just his stand-up career, but his popular podcast, You Made It Weird, and his hit HBO series, Crashing, which recalls how he turned a divorce and near-homelessness into a successful career in comedy. Now he's returning to stand-up for his newest one-hour special, Pete Holmes' Dirty Clean, which airs Saturday, December 15th on HBO. And today he comes on the podcast to talk about the special, paying his dues as a comic, and all of life's weird and wonderful questions. Pete says stand-up is still his first love, but podcasting is how he makes his friends these days, and why he believes everyone, no matter where you live or what you do, ought to start a podcast of their own. He talks about being a brand new father, why audiences always want him to complain about his baby, and why he's determined not to be that parent who indoctrinates his kid with his own beliefs. He discusses his spiritual evolution, how he learned that comedians aren't all sinful scumbags, and even if they are, they can still be pretty good people. He reveals what's autobiographical and what's not in his series Crashing, the real-life comedians behind some of the words of wisdom he gets on the show, and how he's addressing the Me Too movement in Season 3. Plus some sage advice, like tell a pregnant woman she looks small, tell twins they're nothing alike, be better than a grouper, and don't be a slave to an eye watch. Coming up with comedian Pete Holmes in just a moment. Embarrassed for people that wear Apple watches. <laughs> are we recording? I want this. We out are. There. Whenever you're ready. Are we recording? Oh yeah. I want this on the record. Okay, if you're let's go on the an record. Apple watch. Like I feel pity for you. <laughs> <laughs> like you've just found a way to always have one twelfth of your phone out and on yeah. your wrist. It's just like so close to taking you out of a meal or a movie. It vibrates when you have a call or a text. Just like so invasive. What do we work for these people? You know, like your yeah. friends and your, you know, the people that you know. I, I don't mind replying to texts, but it starts to pile up. We all start playing this endless game of tennis, hitting meaningless balls back and forth, just like, and then we're mad at each other when we don't reply. <laughs> Did you get my text? It's like, can we just relax a little bit? Yeah. And I don't want to watch telling me, like, Jason just said, sounds good, dog. Like, I know. Get out of my dinner. 
But but people think that yeah. But like with the iWatch, people think that they're being clever because they're not technically oh, at dinner looking at their phone. At they can just yeah. glance. They think they're really sly, but they're not. It at might all. as well be shackles. Yeah. I don't see yeah. a watch wristband. I see shackles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and by the way, I don't care. But like. At least know that they're. It's just another way they're right. making you their bitch. Yeah. Like, look at our shit. <laughs> look at our. What other product insists that you give so much of your life to it? I know. It doesn't care about you. I'm trying. Like, it's in, it's impossible to talk about this stuff, but I want to do a joke on stage. It won't work because it's too preachy, and people love their phones, and I love my phone, and I understand. But like, your phone doesn't give a fuck about you. Like, it doesn't <laughs> care about you. Yeah. You should just. You should enjoy it, but don't start thinking it loves you back. That's the mistake. Yeah. You love it, but it's one way, yeah. and it's just a lie of colors and sounds and things that trigger your endorphins and your dopamine. Like, ooh, you got a like on Instagram. It's just a fucking, it's a drug, yeah. and your phone is a drug dealer in the valley named Skis, and he thinks it's weird that you hang out after you buy the drugs. Like, that's what yeah. we all are. We're like, no, Skis and I are friends. Skis wants you to beat it because he already has your money. Yeah, and at a certain point, the drug becomes a god, I'm afraid. Like, I mean, when the phone starts talking to you and validating your existence and, you know, is the well, person we, you talk to and give, yes. gives you all this advice and tells all you where to go. All of your friends become yeah. your phone because yeah. that's how you talk to them. So we're, we're never forget that we're just primates. We're just evolved, highly evolved yeah. primates. And it's very easy to confuse us. And we're like, this is our friend. Yeah. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Dumb. Well, We're folks, in, in case you can't tell, I'm talking with comedian Pete Holmes. <laughs> comedian? <laughs> comedian, actor, like a... writer, what else? No, 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 I meant Podcaster? I wasn't being funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was feeling bad that I wasn't being funny enough to earn the intro. I prefer Oh, I think you've earned it. You more than earned said. it. I like what you Okay. Said. Well, you know him from his podcast, You Made It Weird. You know him from his hit HBO series, Crashing, which returns for its third season, January 20th. Yeah. In the meantime... Pete Holmes, who Here is not is. a comedian, no, has a new is. hour-long st stand-up special. He's not a good comedian. Okay. <laughs> no, What's the name? Pete Holmes' Dirty Clean, yes. which debuts this Saturday, December 15th at 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific air? on HBO. When does this air? Uh, this airs today. Oh, really? Thursday. So, oh, yeah. We'll say Saturday. Okay. It's this Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> yeah. this, is it this coming Saturday? How do, how do you do that? Do you, uh, let's say we, it was on Monday. Do you say next Monday or this coming I say, Monday? Wait for a what Saturday. It's that. Okay. I should shut up. I'm going to confuse <laughs> no, people no. now. No, <laughs> no. Next time it's Saturday. Okay. That's the day. Okay. <laughs> You're ready. Pete, congratulations, by the way. Thank this you. has been a big year for you. It has. You, you had a kid, uh -huh. you had a baby, uh, you're a new dad, you got married. A uh -huh. lot has happened. Uh, first of all, boy or girl? I don't know. It is a girl. It's a very, it's a very beautiful girl. Um, and I, it, we're already becoming cliche parent. Do you have any kids? No. Where no, I just got married like you. Did you really? Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. And, and guess who married us? Who? The Sklar brothers. No who I know way. you know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I hope during yeah. the vows you didn't mix them up. Yeah. <laughs> um, in front of Randy and Jason, and they're like, it's the other way. <laughs> yeah. What I is the trick sorry. if you're the Randy one? You take your glasses you take off your when glasses you're feeling off. Randy. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I am happy to say, they won't hear this, but I am happy to say that I don't need that trick anymore. Because Jason yeah. is very much a Jason. Yeah. And Randy feels like a Randy. Yeah. Isn't it weird that we become, I feel like a Pete. Well, they also, they've kind of changed their facial hair. 
Yeah, so no, they're helping us There's a little bit out. of a different differentiation. They're helping us out a little bit. They're really doing the work, but they do look different. I'm not. That's the, like tell a pregnant woman that she looks small. That's a good thing. Like just be like, I could barely tell you're yeah. pregnant. Tell twins that they look like individual yeah. people. Both are lies. Yeah, the woman looks huge. The twins look exactly the fucking same. No, I'm kidding. It, it can be true in both cases. Yeah. Now I assume that you learned the pregnancy thing through experience over the past With what? Val, yeah. Several months, twelve Val months. Is now? Not, Val's not. Val's uh, not sensitive. Mm-hmm. I love it. Boy, I love it. That's like nice. I, I've dated people that like. Um, you can offend them very easily yeah. with their jokes. Certainly nobody... Uh, I dated Jamie Lee, who's a comedian. That wasn't her. Sometimes when I talk about people that I dated, I want to be clear that it wasn't <laughs> Jamie. Jamie's amazing. Yeah. Still one of my very best friends um, and can take a joke. But I've dated other people that were just like... would get. A, I told a joke once and the woman got offended because her great-grandfather was in the military. Like, like they'd find what? a way to be like, you know my great-great-grandfather <laughs> was in the military. It's like, how many landmines are in your yeah. field if I couldn't make, like, a light army joke? Like, it wasn't anti-army. It was just like, whoa! Yeah. Did you say I, thank you for your service? <laughs> yeah, thank yeah, thank you all these generations later. Yeah. I also went to a comedy show with that woman, and Jim Norton was doing a joke about 9-11, which I understand can be touchy. And she yelled out, you can't make that joke if you're not from New York. Which she didn't even know if he was or wasn't, but she wanted to know in real time. It's a terrible feeling when you're on a date with someone who heckles. That's who you forget. (laughs) We all shut down the heckler. I like to reach out to the person who's with the heckler and offer my condolences. (laughs) Now, what has fatherhood been like for you? It's been great. Really? Yeah, I have a joke about it where someone, the first time I talked about it on stage, my baby was only maybe two weeks old or something, uh-huh. maybe less. Too soon? Too soon. Was it Was it too soon <laughs> yeah. to be performing? It's funny because you still can duck out. Like you, nobody would, not that I didn't run into this, but I would tell myself, it's like, it's like I'm ducking out to get some milk or something. Mm-hmm. Like to go and do stand up, it's like, how could you do that? It's like, I'm going out of the house for 45 minutes. People do that. When they have babies. So yeah. you leave the house, yeah. I'd do a set. I'm very tired, obviously. And I the first time I said I just had a baby, someone yelled out, Your your life's over. <laughs> like people love nobody wants to hear about your Encouraging. baby. I've learned, uh, in general. Yeah. And they want if you do talk about your baby on stage, they want you to talk about how it stinks. Like they want you to <laughs> affirm their yeah. decision to not have children. They want you to do Louie. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they want you to do Louie, yeah. which I kind of have a Louie-ish joke. Mm-hmm. In my in my set, right. which I'm proud of, because I know Louis a, a, a troubled and a bad person. Yeah, we have um, to say that. We have to preface yeah, that yeah. every time we reference him. Now. I yeah. I love a lot of his jokes, admire a lot of his jokes, and what a, what a, what a scumbag. Um, but I would talk about having a kid. They go, "Your life's over." So then that that became a routine where I'm like, uh, "Your life's over." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm fine. I'm, that's fine. I had a good run." <laughs> I really feel this way. Yeah. I'm I'm 39 years old. I I was like an unregulated corporation. Just no taxes, no tariffs, just going around just like, <laughs> you guys eating cheese? Like we've had enough. Like let's yeah. mix it up. I yeah. really mean this. Like having someone else in the mix, like a new fresh yeah. thing that I am proud to say I do not want her to absorb and mirror my beliefs and interests and hobbies and passions. Really? I'm excited to give her space and be who she wants to be. 
Um, I, that is something that I, I hate babies in Red Sox jerseys and stuff. It's like you can't <laughs> wait to induct this blank slate, this ball of luminous emptiness into your meaningless clans. Like, fuck yourself. That's like a piece of the divine. And you're like, yeah. she loves Wisconsin. <laughs> it's like she doesn't know what the fuck Wisconsin is. It's like I was in, uh, where was I? Italy. And I saw yeah. a ladybug. And I was like, this ladybug has no idea it's Italian. <laughs> and that's how I feel about my baby. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. We can't wait to impose all of these like yeah. structured fake things. Yeah. This is a girl. She doesn't know she's a girl. This is a white girl. This is an American white girl from LA. Like all that shit is nothing. She's nothing. Right. But what and- about religion? Because, I mean, you talk a lot about your religion, and sure. you were raised as an evangelical Christian. Uh, are you going to pass that on or Hardcore. give her a choice? I'm just, okay. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. No, that's Because you big... were kind of indoctrinated. As, you know, I was. So you, you've learned from that, I guess. It's a, it's a simple answer is no, mm-hmm. is, is that's one of the biggest ways that I'm excited about giving my daughter um, space. Mm-hmm. Um, but... The, the, so that's the answer with my daughter. In regards to my daughter, the idea of looking at her as as a garden that I tend to and I, I water and I make sure it's getting enough sun, but I want it to grow into what it's supposed to grow into. And I don't want to impede that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I'd, I'd like to be available as a good example yeah. and as a nurturing uh, presence. But here's the rub in my case is I was raised super, not super religious, but f- pretty religious. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm only saying that because I knew people that were like way more religious than me <laughs> that went to church several times. Snake handlers. And... <laughs> well, I mean, I just had Michael Gunger on. I did know snake handlers on did my- Did you really? Sure. Pentecostals, of course. Yeah. Um, that uh, Michael Gunger came on my podcast and told me that like he had, he's a musician, had um, Sunday school teachers give him brownies that had cotton in them to like teach him that like- I don't even know what? what the lesson is, but like basically child abuse. I actually knew a guy, a dad, a girl whose dad, when she messed up, would beat himself in front of her, would whip his <laughs> arm with a belt and say, this is what Jesus did for you. And that's that's wow. very troubling. So yeah. I understand that some people have gotten it. If I got it bad, there's certainly people that got it worse. Um, whether or not I got it bad is I don't consider myself having got it bad. I did in some ways. It fucks you up for sex. It fucks you up for hell. (laughs) Those are two big ones, obviously. Yeah. But then it did plant the seed of interest Mm -hmm. to look back at later. Yeah. It's it's a big uh, belief of mine that, like, most gods are gateway gods. They lead to the next understanding of God. Okay. Okay. If you're not lazy. Yeah, if you're not lazy or if you're not interested, which is also fine. Yeah, that's true. Not for you. Yeah. That's okay. Um, I think that's still this thing thinging itself, this, this existence. <laughs> and part of that includes people that aren't mm-hmm. into the idea of God, and that's obviously fine. They don't need me to say that it's fine, but that's my feeling. It's that, of course, it's fine. <laughs> um, but would I – I get so much meaning and value out of my spirituality now, yeah. and I don't know if I would have had the same passions if I wasn't just exactly mm-hmm. tweaked – how I was growing yeah. up, including in the wrong ways. Because it gets me really excited to go back and reclaim sexuality or reclaim the idea of sin, hell, and judgment. Like, I get that's maybe the greatest passion of my life is to find the truth that was hidden behind some mm-hmm. of those 
oversimplifications. It yeah. is sort of like the Red Sox version of Christianity. It's very <laughs> clanistic. It's very like right. you're with us or you're not with mm-hmm. us. And, and and that's very pleasing to the ego, yeah. but it's actually, in my experience, it's far more subtle and less pleasant to be like, we're right, you're wrong. It's so much more mysterious. I wonder how that came into play when you went into comedy, because here you were raised to believe that, I'm guessing, probably comedians were all a bunch of sinners who Everybody drink and do drugs and Everybody talk about sex and all that. And yet one of the takeaways from crashing is like just the simple kindness of Many comedians who yeah. like were so generous to you and let you crash on their couch right. when you were in need and encouraged you and all that. And was there kind of a clash of uh, ideas about what, what what the world of comedy and comedians was for you? Well, that was my experience. I mean, when when you're raised uh, believing that like some people are just fallen or mm-hmm. you're Calvinist, that they're just vessels of wrath. They're only here to like s- disrupt you and tempt you and. Yeah. knock you off of your pedestal and taint you and compromise your salvation. It's a shitty way and it's an exhausting way to look at other people. And in my experience, um, I say this with love, the scumbag comedians that I came back, came up with, I say that as a joke, they're not really scumbags, that's the point, is that they, of course they would be lovely in certain ways. And of course lovely people are ugly in certain ways. Mm-hmm. That's That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Fucking lay down your arms. The sweetest, most gentle nun occasionally has a terrible thought or yeah. does something selfish. It's We're all in it together. Like, fucking relax. We're all slaves to these, some of us, to stupid brains with neurons and impulses and evolutionary, you know, instinct that has you looking out for yourself or, or judging other people or being... Uh, making stereotypes or whatever it might be, we're all dealing with the same puzzle together. So the scumbags aren't all scumbags and the saints aren't all saints. It's like, let's let's let, let put that to rest and realize that we're all stuck in the same predicament together and help one another. So one of the things that I think is interesting about crashing is, hopefully, and I'm glad that you picked up on it, is the idea that people who seem just like hard partying jerks are, can actually be quite lovely. And people sometimes have questioned that, if that is real or if that's something that we made up. And it's 100% real. It's oh, yeah. 100% real. The people that I started with were super sweet underneath it. Like you'd have to yeah. sometimes endure sometimes years of ball breaking and, and, <laughs> and kind of rough play. And some of them are assholes, don't get me wrong, not all of mm-hmm. them. But like, I think when you're pure in your purpose and you really love comedy and you want to do comedy, chances are you'll find other people that, that want to help out. Yeah, or maybe that kindness only reveals itself when it's really needed. Like Artie Lang might have busted your balls or whoever he was based on. Yeah. You know, other comics might have given you a hard time until suddenly you know your wife cheats on you and you have nowhere to stay and all that. Yeah. Then that suddenly comes up to the, to the, to the fore. That's one of the, to the fore. Well done. <laughs> Old English. I love it. I love that. Old English is great. Anyway, yeah, that's exactly right. And and in my real experience outside of the show, you know, the people that, that helped me when I got divorced or when my wife announced that she was leaving me, it that's what life is about. It's like that's when you kind of yeah. – the negative way to put it is that's when you find out who your real friends are. Yeah. That's sort of the ugly way to put it. I would prefer to say that's when you find out that some of the, some of these people that are supposedly narcissistic egomaniacs 
actually would like to help you at least get your mind off of it. Mm-hmm. And then some of them that you thought might be, you know, compassionate and uh, loving people, maybe they're, it's too overwhelming. Yeah, a lot of yeah. married people. Interesting. Uh, you know, obviously you just got married, so puh puh, as my <laughs> Jewish friends say. But if you ever, you'll divorce people know, let's put it this way, that married people, especially newlyweds, don't want to talk to divorced people. It's like it's like you got bit. Yeah. It's like you're a zombie now. <laughs> and they just they just want to board the doors and shoot you with a shotgun. Like because there's this conspiracy of magic that that married people sort of enter into. Right. And if somebody you we both love magic is going like it's smoke and mirrors guys. Like you, we we don't want to know and we want to keep our heads down. I'm married now. Yeah. I don't look at it that way. Is it a new lease on life then? Do you feel like you've kind of gotten people? back in the club? Or well, I mean, oh, being, being married from now, divorced and then being married. Do you feel like okay, I'm legit again? Ha! There is our society certainly wants us to believe that right. like being married has a value on a state level. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> Talk about a conceit. But I mean, yeah. there's tax incentives. I I noticed like. What is that? I don't. I'm not trying to be cute. If it's the patriarchy or hetero heteronormality or whatever mm-hmm. it might be, I'm sure I'm speaking from. I catch myself speaking from privilege sometimes. Even when I'm doing my stand up, there's a certain pride when you're talking about getting having a baby and you just sort of casually say my wife. Right. There's like a puritanical. <laughs> yeah. Like absolutely. It, even in like totally. It's happening in a deep subconscious place where mm-hmm. you're like, this person's trustworthy. They, yeah, because yeah. we do like commitment. And we do yeah. like people that, like, just like way back in the day, we'll just go like, picture the 1800s, mid, mid-1800s. These are my wares and these are the prices. <laughs> yeah. And they're good as gold. <laughs> like, we're bound right. by our chemistry yeah. to like people yeah. that predict the future and predict a version right. of themselves that is, you know, has fidelity and kindness and right. won't run. So merit we're, we're liturgical creatures. We love ceremony. We love <laughs> rings. We love sounds and songs and special words. And those things are very valuable. So I do love being married. I do want to say, though, if you're listening and you're like, being married is a lie uh, and it's <laughs> bullshit that the, that the country and the taxes or whatever it is or society validates it, you're absolutely right in the way that everything is a lie. Mm-hmm. Pick yeah. the lies that you like. <laughs> it's like Santa Claus. Pick yeah. the lies that you like. Santa Claus is as real as you. Yeah. Think about that one for a while. Get high and think about that Santa Claus is as real as you because you start to question your own reality because you're manufacturing it with your brain. Yeah. Obviously, we're real, but I mean, it's also a story that we're building. So Santa (laughs) Claus, yeah, fucking Santa Claus is real. Uh, (laughs) Merry Christmas. Yeah, we'll make this the Christmas episode. Or Happy Han. Nobody doubts the existence of oil and lamps. Yeah. I mean, uh, those are real. I look at name dropping a wife or a husband as kind of virtue signaling that you're not a screw up anymore. It's yeah, like, no, you I can understand. give me a promotion. You can trust me. I'm a responsible person now. Right. Before I was just a screw up and I Which obviously, you know, was well, out dating and doing drugs and partying. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember The Departed? Alec Baldwin says oh, yeah. to Matt Damon, yeah. it's good to get married. Yeah. He says it shows people, he says it in an unkind way that you're not gay. First, But I mean, <laughs> he's speaking to another level of the bias. Yeah. I don't like that reality, but there are some people that go, mm-hmm. oh, I thought he was gay. 
I like him more now. These people are fucked, and I do not stand with them. But that might be part of it. And this yeah. is why people cringe at the idea of norm core people just like enjoying the easy path of look at us we're two straight white men talking about <laughs> like it's it's important for us to check this stuff and go yeah. like yeah i bet it's nice to twirl your cane and walk down the yellow brick road <laughs> but some people are this 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 and this mm. and, and they don't feel as represented and, and i obviously my heart breaks for that yeah because it is all baloney and if we're making our own world we might as well have liturgy and rules and and perks and benefits in our society mm-hmm. for a broader spectrum of people because it's not the 1800s. We don't live until 35. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's fucking mix it up. Let's re <laughs> let's refresh things. Yeah, I'm yeah. running for office. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and then I'll be back with more with Pete Holmes when we come back in just a minute. In the next 60 seconds, you're going to learn how the Flatiron School can change your life. The Flatiron School will teach you everything you need to get a job in code, data science, or design. But they'll also prepare you for the jobs that don't even exist yet, because this is a school designed to educate you in the art of change. So if you're feeling stuck, bored, or unfulfilled, Flatiron will teach you how to change things. You'll learn by making things, breaking things, and discovering how the future is being built and the results speak for themselves. Go to flatironschool.com podcast and read about graduates' new careers, salary ranges, upcoming courses, and explore these exciting new careers. You can start building your own new career in coding, data science, or digital design at one of Flatiron's local WeWork campuses, or you can take courses online. Go to flatironschool.com podcast, read the reviews, and sign up for a free intro course. Enrollment is now open. It's time to future-proof yourself and change things, starting with you. Flatironschool.com slash podcast. When you need an extra burst of energy but don't have time to wait in line, grab Espresso Monster. Espresso Monster is a premium blend of smooth espresso and cream. Packaged in an 8.4-ounce can, it's just the right size and perfect for when you're on the go. Each can has three shots of espresso blended with European milk just the way the Italians do. At 150 to 160 milligrams of caffeine per can, it's sure to give you the energy you need to conquer the day. Espresso Monster has two delicious flavors to choose from, espresso and cream and vanilla espresso. Produced in Denmark and the Netherlands, Espresso Monster is made with freshly brewed espresso coffee, hormone-free milk, and a unique energy blend that's complete with taurine and B vitamins. Whenever I'm having a tough time getting started in the morning or dragging a little bit after lunch, Espresso Monster gives me just the shot in the arm I need to power through my day. And I like their vanilla espresso so much that sometimes I just drink it for the taste of it. Not to mention it's a lot faster and easier than waiting in line at a coffee place. So close your eyes, take a sip, and enjoy Espresso Monster today. And now, back to the show. I enjoyed the new stand-up special. It's been two years since your last one. When you're married and about to have a kid, I assume, was when you probably taped this and you're doing Crashing and you've got the podcast. How do you find the time to actually get out there and work new material and get to the clubs? I mean, I owe a great debt to Mark Flanagan, who we call him Flanny, at Largo. I just did Largo uh-huh. last night. I do oh, great. a lot of this new special was worked out at Largo, mm-hmm. um, 
which is just the best theater. It's it's where Sarah Silverman and Zach Galifianakis and John yeah. Apatow and Bo Burnham and Ellen DeGeneres and Conan and it's just if you are in LA, this isn't an ad. I'm saying for <laughs> real, <laughs> if you're in LA, yeah. just go to Largo. Whatever yeah. is happening that night, go to Largo. Even if it, not to say even if it's music. If it's music, it's amazing music. Yeah. If it's improvised Shakespeare, it'll be the best show you've ever seen. Yeah. Or go to any of the stand-up nights. I guarantee Adam Sandler might mm-hmm. come in. You know, but it's not just celebrity-driven. It's like it's like right. this cozy, safe place. It's a three hundred something seat theater, but it feels very warm. So yeah, baby. And, and, and by the way, thank you for telling all the listeners who aren't in LA that. Yeah, like we sit here in LA and we always make all these LA references. I know you do on your podcast, and like nobody has any idea what we're talking, what we're about. talking about. They don't Largo. know what "take fountain" means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that's right. Cold, cold water. Um, yeah. But if you're in LA, go to go to Largo for sure. But um, that was the hardest thing. Actually, wasn't the baby um, per se. It was crashing. Crashing is mm-hmm. like a full time, yeah. year round job that I'm very, very grateful for. But it absolutely eats into your ability to to tour. And I wouldn't want it any other way. But I do love doing stand-up. I, I often say stand-up is your wife and and anything else is your mistress. Okay. I know that's, yeah. I get that's it. sort of – which means, like, be true to your wife. Like, have yeah. your fun. But even a successful TV show, six years, mm-hmm. tops. Yeah. I've been doing stand-up yeah. for 20 years. That's yeah. your wife. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I understand some comedians leave their wives and just – we like string together a group of mistresses and that's basically what actors are they don't unless in, even if they're in the theater they that's literally my heart sometimes breaks for actors no matter how successful well at a certain point you're fine but very successful actors i know are still sort of waiting mm-hmm. for the phone to ring or at the very least waiting yeah. for the right project like something that gets them excited comedians one of the reasons i'm good to my comedy wife is that my comedy wife is good to me. Yeah. And if I I'm a performative person, I'm adrenalized from performing. I get a lot of literally my my connection to the divine, my happiness, my ability to be content in a family situation is somewhat fueled by the mm-hmm. feeling that I'm creating uh what I should be creating and stand up gives me the way to do that. Yeah. On a Tuesday night, if I feel it, yeah, it's always going to be there. Like if I'm itchy, Mm-hmm. On a Tuesday, you go out and do it. Yeah. That is a wonderful wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, then what about the podcast then? Is that the, is that your Mormon sister wife? <laughs> How does that work? That's great. I you know it's funny if if the the my first impulse was it's like a very very good friend. Yeah, like that's where you make your friends. Mark mm-hmm. Duplass is starting a podcast. I'm oh, really pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, I love him. I love him too. It's one of my favorite episodes of my podcast. So if people listening. I'm not here to plug the podcast, but you know what I mean. <laughs> People listen to podcasts. I yeah. have a podcast. You made it weird. You made it weird. Mark Duplass, number one. He did it twice. They're both great, but start with number one, then listen to Jay Duplass, then listen to Mark Duplass, number two. They're fantastic, like yeah. life-changing. Mm-hmm. His first podcast changed my life. Fucking fantastic. So he's starting a podcast. And Mark is doing very well. Like He has a very flourishing production company. He's an actor yeah. and a writer. So it's like, why are you doing a podcast? It's because we talked about it uh, partially, and I was like, "It's how you make friends." Like L.A. is so. <laughs> how sad is that? Smart. Is it though? Okay. I hear you. We're talking about Apple Watches at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> what you and I are doing yeah. is simultaneously high tech and yeah. very low tech. 
So you're saying that you and I are going to hang out this weekend, right? We can. Okay. I'll, I'm going to crash on your couch now. You may. <laughs> you've, just, uh, you've just invited it. You think I should have a better couch? Yeah. No, the couch in my uh, in, the, very in the garage is very nice. It, oh, yeah. it sounds unwelcoming. It's like a furnished garage. <laughs> anyway, it is, maybe it's sad, but it's not a showbiz thing. I mm. would put anybody living in 2018 – uh, roped in by Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat to I would go toe-to-toe with anybody. You can live in Montana. I bet I have more longer, meaningful, deep conversations with human beings. Yeah. There happen to be microphones, but the microphones heighten the stakes. Mm-hmm. So if I get Fred Armisen, who just did the podcast, to come to my house, it's nice, meet the wife, meet the baby, see the dog, have a snack, we go in the back house, sit on the couch, Nobody's going to talk to you for three fucking hours unless <laughs> yeah. you introduce the element of this will help maybe there's with your projects or there's yeah. a purpose where we're creating mm-hmm. something yeah. that even when we're dead, people will listen to. But after 20 minutes, you usually forget and you just kind of have a friend. Yeah. And then, you know, Fred and I haven't done it yet, but I, I imagine we would get dinner or something. We both admire each other. You kind of sniff each other out. But Rob Bell... Who married me and Val? Val and I. He's a he's a he was a pastor. He's now a, a spiritual author. Um, he married us. I met him on the podcast. Really? He's like family. <laughs> he's family. On my medical, in my like uh, will, it's like if everyone's dead, it goes to Rob. You know, like <laughs> like give the give our baby to Rob. <laughs> like yeah. that's who needs to watch. The, I don't know if he even knows that. Like family, motherfucking family friend. Yeah. Met him on the podcast. Wow. Like, what are we gonna do? People are confused. We don't know how to meet each other. I would say if you're listening to this and you do live in Montana, I think Montana is beautiful. It's, I'm not saying like some stupid place. Like my, I'm saying <laughs> even if you live in Montana, even if only 50 people listen to it, mm-hmm. even if you only have the barber who's 90 and might have an interesting life on, maybe even Start if you only podcast. have your parents on and your brother on, do it earnestly and do it mm-hmm. honestly. You may find an audience. I can't guarantee that. But I bet you'll get some value out of it. I mm-hmm. bet you'll get some fulfillment yeah. out of it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. You're, you can sit down to coffee with your mother, but if you record it, you could just put a tape recorder <laughs> yeah. on the table. People bring it. People suddenly think a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Mom, what was it like growing up? We're recording. Yeah. Like, fucking spill it. It's a beautiful thing. I'm oh, trying yeah. to think of other things. It's great such a blessing. It and is. I always feel bad for the people who go around taking selfies with celebrities. They have like this. That's what I'm saying. Ten second interaction, yes. and they don't walk away knowing anything more about this person that right. they've admired. They don't know anything about them. But to be able to do this, what a blessing! To be able to talk to you or and anyone I I like and admire, and just have a real conversation, agree. pick their brain. I watched the movie Kumare, and um, Vikram Gandhi is is the. It's a great doc about. Um, he pretends to be a guru, and he gets follow. It's brilliant. It's like, really? it's like Borat, but it's like an Indian Borat. And I watched it. I watched it twice in a row. I loved it so much. Um, and then I, you know, I'm in a fortunate position where I can email my agents and be like, "Who reps Vikram Gandhi?" That Friday, mm-hmm. he was on my podcast. That's privileged. Yeah. Not yeah. everybody's going to have that, <laughs> but. That's why I do it. That's why Mark's going to do it. And it, and it gives us uh, human interaction. But mm-hmm. literally anybody 
can do it, and I highly, I highly recommend it. Do you find that the podcast and these interviews that you do informs your stand-up or even totally. crashing? Are there things that people tell you that make it into the script or your stand-up act? That's a good act? question. A lot of things from my life make it into crashing. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I right, always like course. to footnote them because I wish you could sort of pop up video like <laughs> yeah. who said it. Oh, that's a good idea. Um, but I, I can when that. I do interviews. Yeah. It would be very distracting. But I've taken a lot of the best advice I've gotten yeah. and put it into crashing. Mm -hmm. And usually we we, we might uh, get the real person to do it, but it's never worked out. It's always oh, someone really? It's never happened. <laughs> it's always someone else telling me advice that someone else gave me. So like Marina Franklin says, um, if it sucks, that's how you know you're doing it right. And I, I'm pretty sure that was – um, Jim Gaffigan, who told me that. Oh, yeah. The idea that, like, oh, yeah, she says in a few years they'll be begging for it. And that's what Jim Gaffigan said to me once when I was opening for him in Germantown, Wisconsin. And the club was mad at me because I went a little long yeah. because I did my time and then I read the announcements. And they were like, no, the announcements count towards your time. And I was, I felt really bad. And he was like, in a few years they'll be begging for it. And I wasn't <laughs> shit. Like, that was such a kind yeah. thing to say. It really yeah. meant a lot. And then the Lucas brothers say, um, they talk about the alt scene and uh, why I might mm -hmm. want to go into the alt scene. Right. And that's a blend of advice I got from Christian Finnegan and Dimitri Martin. So like, oh, yeah. I'm, and then Lewis Black says, don't make the mistake of being funnier offstage than you are on. In the third season, Jessica Kirsten says that to me. And that is Lewis Black. Mm -hmm. it's, I'm just I love that. I'm just I love trying it to get it out there. Yeah. I, I love that it's not afraid to be too inside baseball. You don't treat the audience like they're a bunch of comedy illiterates. You talk about, right. you know, being a warm-up comic right. and barking and all those kinds of different yeah. things. Comedy condo. <laughs> exactly. I wonder, you know, like House of Cards. I'm trying to think of shows that have a lot of jargon. Yeah. You know, we're learning computers. And I hate bad dialogue that's written like, what do you mean I'm the first comedian? Yeah. I have to go up. You just <laughs> yeah. say you're the MC. You're a lot of exposition like, and really clunky. Yeah. And let the audience mm -hmm. sort of piece it together. Yeah, they, they will. They yeah. will. Or pause it and give it a goog. Yeah. You'll be fine. What's a warm-up comic? We'll cover it, but, you know, it'll be fine. Yeah. And part of the thing that I love about the third season, and I don't want to give out too much, but I want to give you credit because you actually addressed the whole Me Too movement. And you do so in a way that, you know, pretty vocally condemns sexual harassment. And now I see that you're you're preparing for the conversation. Oh, I'm you're leaning ready, back baby. and stretching. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I'm just very comfortable. <laughs> but, you know, you, you, you do condemn the sexual harassment and all that. But you also deal with the gray areas. And you talk about, you know, how all this is changing, what a comedian can do on stage. I thought that was very brave because, let's be honest, crashing, as far as I can tell, takes place in your early years, which would have been pre-Me Too, as far as I know. Well, so you could have easily gotten away with not addressing anything. <laughs> well, crashing, does, that's interesting. It, it It's in this weird reality. It's almost like Black Mirror. Is it present? or is it, it is present. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. present. But, but you're not aware of the Me Too movement <laughs> You mean Pete, point. my character? Right. I mean, I think he is. Mm -hmm. um, it's 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 a weird sort of overlay of my experience in you know, the early 2000s, mm -hmm. or I guess it would be the mid-2000s, 2010s, whatever. I don't know how you say it. Uh, overlaid over today. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for example, like, people's careers have advanced, but mine hasn't. You know, like when John yeah. Mulaney's on the show, John Mulaney and I started together, 
but like not to, at the same time, but like around. But the same he time. is John Mulaney. And he's John, John Mulaney. Mulaney. Yeah. He's John Mulaney. Yeah. Radio City. John yeah. Mulaney. And I'm just me. So there's there's a little bit of fudging the, the timeline there, um, but it's certainly 2018. Me too is certainly a thing. And the episode, I I don't know if we're trying to let a character explain how he feels that he's being censored. Mm-hmm. But from what I'm seeing is, is it's not the most sympathetic case. Oh no, 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 definitely. <laughs> I did. When you say gray areas, I don't want people to think that we're like, we're hitting right. back or something. Right. But you know, he, he's criticized for not taking an anti me too position, but yeah. you know, using it in, in, in his comedy and his act in a way that may not be the smartest way right, right. now. And there's well, no room for nuance right now. Let's be honest. The episode, mm-hmm. and I don't mind saying this, the episode is about, me and Allie, who's played mm-hmm. by Jamie Lee, open for Dove Davidoff, who's playing Jason. That's not Dove Davidoff. It's a guy. It's characters. Yeah. Jason, who runs the Boston. And what happens is he does the first night. He does this comedy that's very uh, unwoke. Yeah. <laughs> it's sexist. It's got a yeah. little bit of racism in it. But here's the trick: is I believe that those jokes that we wrote for him mm-hmm. would work, mm-hmm. and they do. We did them for the background, and they work. They're cheeky, but they're not not funny. Yeah. They're just not very broad in their spectrum of right. understanding. Right. It's like Andrew Dice Clay in exactly. the 90s. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you're basically doing something that I'm telling you, when we shot it, it it's funny. He does a joke yeah. about consent, right. and he's like, I don't understand it. And he did it. We don't prep the audiences. We don't say, like, the story is that he's uh, sexist. We just do it, and, and, and people were laughing. They're, they're, mm. they're, they're not unfunny. But then what happens is the second show, Jamie, before he goes up, does a bit of her own to sort of torpedo his. This is just mm-hmm. like a little taste of the episode. It won't yeah. spoil the episode. And then the audience responds differently, which, in my opinion, is what's happened. Somebody from oh, interesting. the minority, yeah, yeah. somebody from the victim pack, blows the whistle or raises mm-hmm. blows the whistle isn't right. Raises their voice mm-hmm. and speaks up and tells people, "Hey, it, what's been going on is fucked up." And then when we look through that lens, that same material, different audience, with having listened to a woman beforehand suddenly looks at the jokes differently. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, that's so, what one of the things we're trying to do with the episode is kind of a microcosm of what happened. Yeah. Is and like, of course, he feels like the rug's been pulled out from under him. Right. He doesn't know what just happened. Right. Yeah. Even And, and it sort of has. And then we just mm-hmm. have to go like, was it a good rug? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm aware, having a podcast for all these years now, there, there's audio of me making jokes that aren't appropriate. Uh, I'm sure I don't I don't know what they are, but I'm I'm sure I have. And that's OK. We're always yeah. trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's like, who are you today? I understand that when I was young, we made a lot of uh, jokes about this or that. or that. I don't even want to give examples. And now we're starting to wake up to the idea that that might yeah. be insensitive to these people or these people or these people. And we're starting to empathize with their situation right. a little bit more. So I get that the comedian is like, this is fucked up. These jokes are funny. Uh, But, you know, there's lots of ways to be funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't make (laughs) racist jokes anymore. Yeah, right. Well, well, as as you pointed out in your special, we make Irish (laughs) racist jokes. Yeah, that's right. Swedish racist jokes. We don't make... If you're a different skin tone, That's then right. we don't make any kind of joke about ethnicity. I'm glad or race. that you understand that yeah. joke. Uh, most, you know, people do. 
is I make a joke about how why why is it okay to be for me as a white person to be racist towards other types of white people, mm-hmm. um, and it's just to kind of get us thinking because yeah. I'm sort of toying with the idea that you can't I can't say like hero, like it's it's not right. okay. I, right. I'm saying it's not okay. <laughs> So anybody listening that's like, that's not okay. It's not okay. Yeah. But why is it okay for me to be like, oh, to tree, to tree, to tree? And we could have a conversation <laughs> about that. Oppression or yeah. like what the groups have been through. But, right. You know, it, it's just interesting. Yeah. I'm like, if we're going to be sensitive, let's talk about it. Let's really get yeah. wild with it and explore it. Not to necessarily find a conclusion, yeah. but to just as a thought experiment. Like, yeah. There's why- a time limit on oppression, maybe. It's like what is it? Uh, tragedy plus time, time equals, equals comedy. Equals well, you comedy. and I were talking. So before yeah, you know, the if you were pressed in the 1800s, then you know, time's up. There was so, nothing <laughs> now funnier you're in the, the turn of the century, I'm yeah. sure, than doing uh, a Chinese impression. Yeah, like putting on the hat. It was in the movies. <laughs> right, right. And Charlie Chan. That, that shit needed to go. Yeah. So the fact that we're in this like growing pain, awkward place mm-hmm. is good. It's okay. And there are going to be people like Jason that go, I don't understand. This shit's funny. Yeah. He says in the episode, if people are pussies, fuck them, which I think is funny. <laughs> but that's just what it is. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just a growing pain. Yeah. Do you think that we're at the point where we can finally start to separate categories for the offenses? Because there's Aziz Ansari and then all the way up to Louis C.K. to a rapist like Bill Cosby. Like, can we acknowledge those differences now? I think that's also a very important part of the conversation is is, uh, the gradations. Yeah. I don't have the solution, but I do know that when people talk off mic, they're very quick to go like, well, let's – Let's really break this down. Mm-hmm. It's almost like if I were a more type A person, I would be like, let's let's make a system. Like, here's a point or here's a point. But people do want to separate. We can't lump all of these. Right. That's what right. that's what the criminal justice system is. There's, right. Right. There's different gr- yeah. gradations of offenses. Yeah. I, I had this conversation with Judd, actually, when I had him on. And, you know, the thing that I said oh, to him. What's that? It's good to be here. That's my judge <laughs> That's impression. Good. That's very good. You know, with the Me Too movement. <laughs> he's, he does, he does yeah, he's very for the Me Too movement. He's, oh, he's you know the father of two daughters and yeah. all. But I said to him, I said, look, you know, if you hadn't flirted with your wife, Leslie Man, on the set of Cable Guy, you wouldn't be married with two kids probably. <laughs> because he was in a power position. Well, actually, it's funny because we kind of thought about it and then we reversed it because we realized she was she a was co-star the and he was like a lowly writer on it. So if anything, maybe she was abusing her power See, position. What, what I like, yeah. people, I think, are, are very interested in the answer is like yeah. sticking the landing. Yeah. What I love is these like sticky, sometimes uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but active and alive conversations yeah. where we're like, do we live in a world – look at look at marketing and look at advertising, which is constantly telling us, drive this car and get laid. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It, yeah. It's a story yeah. that uh, – I'm not trying to say like men are victims too. I'm saying sure. we're all in this fucking nonsense. Yeah. We're all soaking we're all in nonsense. Out. But I mean it's even more than that. It's like yeah. information is being poured into us and we're all sort of acting out someone else's idea – it might yeah. you might have inherited yeah. something that that wouldn't have been given to you if the world was different. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about that, but like the idea that like become powerful and get laid, like become rich and get laid or get yeah. like get mates that are out of your it's it's like interesting. Why, so it's almost like we aspire to power so we can abuse it. 
<laughs> right, and exactly. Well, that was in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. The conversation we're having now would have been preposterous. Mm-hmm. You'd have been like, the whole point <laughs> is to get a suit and get a Lamborghini mm-hmm. and eat at a fancy restaurant. And even though I'm ugly and weird, uh, you, you flirt with the hostess and she sees your credit card. Yeah. Like that was a story. But somebody wrote that story. Yeah. And it's time for and a we're new all story. Just playing the part is the point. Yeah, and and again, it's uh. growing pains to go like. Mm-hmm. But aren't we supposed to be impressive? Aren't we supposed to peacock? Yeah. Aren't we supposed right. to like squat? You know, I watch Planet Earth, and that is what they're doing down there. Yeah, the groupers are you know going for the eggs that are in the water, and it's the ones that are sort of like the most dashing. But we are human beings, and we are called to a higher standard than motherfucking mm-hmm. groupers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we and, hope but, that, so. but I mean, yeah. if you want to argue that that side of it, be a fucking grouper. But mm-hmm. you're stupid as a grouper. Yeah. Like, be better than a grouper <laughs> is yeah. what I'm saying. Be better than a grouper. Be better than a grouper. That needs to be a t-shirt. I get it if you want to be. Oh, that's what guys. That's what primates is. Yeah, we're fucking people, and Elon <laughs> Musk is gonna send us to Mars. It's like, do better on a small scale. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, as we wind up here, I want to run a theory that I have by him. Mm. Um, it's not a theory about crashing or anything else, but it's something I've run by a number of comics that I've had on. I have this theory that for some reason. Every person, every human being should have to do a five-minute stand-up set at an open mic night. In my mind, I think it'll teach them empathy. It'll teach them humility. Or maybe maybe it'll build up their confidence. It'll be this life-changing experience for everyone. They should all try it. Some comics say that's a horrible idea. Do you want to, like, ruin someone's life? Some think that maybe there's something to it. Or maybe they don't want competition. I don't know. (laughs) I I think it's a great idea. Really? I would love to see my mother... Oh, like, yeah? I immediately went to my mother. <laughs> Have you given her a lot of good material over the years? <laughs> I mean, I do jokes. Of, I, my revenge on my weird parents is that I always tell stories about them on late night. <laughs> so they'll do something weird, and then I'll talk about it on late night. <laughs> and I don't know who tells them, because yeah. they're not watching it, and I don't tell them. Somebody's sharing. Stop telling <laughs> my parents. What the fuck are you doing? You're making my life more complicated. But I mean, like, the thing about stand-up is, is it's sort of like, you know, I'm drinking coffee right now. And coffee is just not really my thing. Yeah. I like it fine. Um, some people drink coffee and their, light, their brain lights up like Christmas. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, oh, I'm going to be a coffee person. Um, and that's sort of how it is with stand-up. I suppose you could say that's an addiction. I could say it's like an overwhelming endorphin rush. Um, and you're not really sure uh, until you try it. Yeah. And because it is such a beautiful, think about what it is. Mm-hmm. It's you excavating your insides, right, and bringing them out, right. I'm interested public. in the experience, not necessarily yes. saying that everyone's going to end up being a comedian or they're going to find no, their I'm path with in you. life. I'm with you. I'm not saying they're that be. experience seems valuable, not just to comics but to but anyone. To be given the permission to think that they yes. can do it is what right. I like about your mm-hmm. plan is because I think what's getting in the way of a lot of people that might want to do stand-up is they can't imagine themselves as a professional stand-up or whatever. Or they can't imagine themselves even just doing it. And I think that is um, symptomatic. That's a little bit of a disease of Mm self-doubt and believing a story that maybe society is telling you or your coworkers or your asshole friends that just don't believe in you because they don't love you well enough. So – the thought that people could love themselves enough 
to try stand-up, I think, is very healthy. You could say the same about a lot of things, like people should rock climb or this or that or whatever might might right. take that spark of I think I can, which is important. So that's what I like about it, yeah. is if there's somebody that's listening to this and they're like, I've always wanted to try it, you can't. Yeah. Like, that's one of the weird secrets of life is no one is going to show up and tell you, you can but not everybody is like me. Like I have like a, I'm fortunate genetically to have like a self-generating, you can do it, optimism, enthusiastic engine that actually, if it isn't addressed, is quite painful for me. It can be, my anxiety goes up. I become unable to tune out the conversations of the people at the tables next to me at dinner. Like if I don't do stand up or if I don't create, if I don't make something, mm-hmm. Valerie can tell. Really? We'll be out to dinner, and she goes, you need to do a set. Like, she knows. I need – I don't want to say I, I need my fix because that, that makes it sound negative. But, but it's building up inside of you. You have to have the release. I need the yeah. release. <laughs> you you know, and a better well, way to say it is like yeah. is if I was a surfer, it's like you need to get in the ocean mm-hmm. because it, it's going to ground yeah. you. It's going to connect you, and that's what I get yeah. from good stand-up. So if everybody could get to a place where they believe that they deserve that level of attention. So I think about like a small, yeah. mousy – Housewife, that's not my mom, but I'm thinking of like some of her friends green lighting their own small desire to go like, I want to tell that story mm-hmm. because what's implicit in that is the uh, the belief that people should be listening to you. And that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Like we think it should be special people. Well, you know what? That's why we love yeah. Stephen Wright. Everyone like, has their story. Yeah. Stephen Wright. Yeah. He's like kind of a he seems like a weird cab driver from the 70s. <laughs> One of the greats, yeah. you know what I mean? Get these people up there. And, and and that's what I love about my people, comedians, is that we can find inclusion with a lot yeah. of different types. Yeah. You go to some clubs, you're only going to see the alpha males, the like muscly guys that are loud and they're all sort of doing Dane Cook. Mm-hmm. I get that. But you can also find other venues that are showing the wounded people, the people yeah. that, like me, that had yeah. a bald spot on the, the side of my head from anxiety, scene, which yes! you had to discover. Yeah, which which is what Christian Finnegan mm-hmm. said to me uh, yeah. about some comedians got called the f word and some called people the f word. Yeah. you can find both. Yeah, beautiful, and be better than a grouper. Be better than a grouper, man. <laughs> Just because there's a evolutionary like standard for it, it's like doesn't yeah. doesn't excuse anything. <laughs> Well, once again, Pete Holmes' Dirty Clean debuts Saturday, December 15th at 10 Eastern on HBO, and season three of Crashing begins January 20th, also on HBO. Pete Holmes, I hope we made it weird or something, or weird enough, or I don't know. Thank you. Thanks again to Pete Holmes for coming on the podcast. Again, his stand-up special, Pete Holmes, Dirty Clean, debuts Saturday, December 15th at 10 p.m. Eastern on HBO. Mark your calendars for Season 3 of Crashing, which begins January 20th on HBO, and subscribe to his podcast, You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. And follow Pete on Twitter at at Pete Holmes. When you need energy on the go and don't have time to wait in line, grab Espresso Monster. I had one today and it gave me just the shot in the arm I needed. Plus it tastes so good, I'd drink it anyway. That's because Espresso Monster is a premium blend of espresso and cream made with freshly brewed espresso coffee, hormone-free milk, and a unique energy blend complete with taurine and B vitamins. Each can has three shots of espresso and comes in vanilla espresso or espresso and cream flavors. Close your eyes, take a sip, and enjoy Espresso Monster today.
If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Kick-Ass News on iTunes and leave us a review. You can follow us on Facebook or on Twitter at at kickassnewspod. And as always, I welcome your comments, questions, and ideas at comments at kickassnews.com. I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kick-Ass News. Kick-Ass News is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.